we watched um labyrinth yesterday at our little movie night like the david bowie goblin king one yeah Uh, i love that first time i've ever seen it and it's just like so hilarious it's just the best i love movies that are just like heavily muppets and then a couple of like very recognizable actors i like that's just a winning combination it's also super funny to me that you know it's david bowie he's just himself with you know 80s hair and all that stuff yeah oh yeah it's david bowie playing like a david bowie stage you know it's just like a, a look that he could have taken on tour and he's the goblin king not you know he's not in goblin makeup or anything he's just david bowie (laughs) and everyone else is like a little goblin muppet around him (laughs) yes yes goblin king goblin king but he just looks like an 80s rock star (laughs) like it's so good uh starring david bowie and david bowie's enormous package yeah yeah the the pants are (laughs) they're good I found ponders or periodians. Yeah, I also found more ponders, but I didn't. <laughs> I was hoping you'd find more ponders. I have so many ponders. I have cast that card. Uh, maybe the most of anyone who has like played two like legacy tournaments. Yeah, you just registered it throughout all of standard and modern until it was banned. Yeah, and the, it was legal in two different standard formats. It took us a little while to get there on Ponder the first time. Like, oh, that was yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, three different standard formats because it was Ponder, Priority, and Ponder was the oh, core gotcha. set order. Yeah, I never played it during Lorwyn because no one played it during Lorwyn. That was just like a just... lost time. <laughs> the, those crazy Japanese players in their Ponder Priority, uh, Ponder Bitter Blossom deck, like that's yeah. so silly. Yeah, like holy crap! The, it's it's a deck that like. It's like a 45% deck when you don't have Bitter Blossom, and it's like a 70 plus percent deck when you have turn two Bitter Blossom. <laughs> like, play Ponder. Like, the, the block constructed version of Fairies, like, had Ponders in it, and then when it was in the standard version, it was just like, yeah, we play Ancestral, Ancestral Vision, of course. It's, it, yeah, Ancestral Vision. It draws three cards. That's, that's yeah. better than Ponder. It's just, and, you know, on turn four. <laughs> like, I, I am fairly confident that, like, if you had just replaced the, vi- the ancestral vision with ponder, like the deck would have been better. But definitely, you should have at least played the ponders in addition. And and I can't believe we didn't like we were so stupid back then. I didn't put them in the deck. Like no, I was I playing magic at this time. I was playing. I wasn't actually playing a lot of lore when uh, constructed because I really like playing combo decks. And it's just like you can play combo decks when. Bitter Blossom Spellstar Sprite was the thing. Like, they didn't exist until yeah. Reveler came around, and Reveler could also never be fairies. <laughs> so, it I just, like, honestly, everything just didn't else, play much standard format. It did, yeah. So, I have, like, a, an intentional blind spot. That's why I have so many ponders. I actually just drafted so much Lorwyn because I wanted to play Magic, but I didn't want to play Constructed. So, I just gotcha. drafted. <laughs> Lorwyn was a pretty fun set. I really enjoyed how nonsense it was because all of your cards could target all of every card. Yeah, I mean, with multiple onboard activated abilities, and it just like was kind of nonsense. Yeah, the Merfolk deck in particular was uh, quite an amalgamation of activated and triggered abilities that, and some of them were untap abilities, some of them were tap abilities, yes. <laughs> and also Silver Gildowser existed. Nonsense. Sorry, opponent, you lose every combat from here on out. Yeah, that's that's my bad, dude. <laughs> Hey everyone, 
Welcome to episode 304 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hey, Chris. What's going on? Not much. Just did, did a little streaming, did a little upgrading to my stream setup today, but there's still a few bugs to work out. But we're, we're getting there. We're, we're figuring out a, a, a nice little process and setup for this thing. Yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in a nice little silly mood, especially after our, our long chat. That That's some good. of which will make the intro, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I always get something out of it, but I, and I'm gonna need I'm gonna need that energy going into the the, the long list of topics we have today. <laughs> it's all pretty silly stuff. I think that that's kind of the vibe here. We're gonna talk about the unban announcement. A a relatively surprising turn of events, I guess, but we'll we'll go over it in detail. And then we're just going to spend some time talking about all of the Gen Con announcements, the roadmap for Magic over the next couple of years, uh, all of the sets and universes beyond that we are getting. And we also have like a couple of card spoilers, some not from this weekend but we have a couple of things that that we can talk about there and i don't know maybe we could i guess we could start off by giving our 10 second response to the mtg ambassadors drama on twitter um nah we don't really have to i don't we don't really have like to. the problem with I'll, I'll give okay i'll give it a small rant just i knew you know, it. it gets the people going <laughs> the problem with the mtg ambassador program and discussion of it is that no one actually knows what it is except for the MTG ambassadors and Watsi. Like when this program came out like a month ago or whatever, yeah. people were on Twitter being like, hey, I'm excited to announce I'm MTG ambassador. And uh, the running joke for that entire day was, All what right, is so it? a bunch of ambassadors, but who is going to explain what an MTG ambassador does? And just like no one did. I think Honorog, I want to say, had the longest thread about like actually what an ambassador is. And I love Honorog. I, I really of course <laughs> yeah uh, but, it, but it still was not clear yeah, even like, his was not like cut and dry like what what is going each direction from here like okay they get some product from wizards like that's what watsi is sending them product not money product and then they do something and yeah, it's not, not clear but they definitely have to do something because voxy stepped down from being an amateur ambassador yesterday because mm-hmm. she wasn't comfortable doing something we just don't yeah. know what something is yeah and like i don't want to speculate too much about that because it could be any number of things it could be that they're getting like marching orders to defend the universe's beyond sets unlikely <laughs> that that's what that that's what happened because it also could just be like that they're requiring that a certain amount of their content production some exclusivity right and and you know voxy does a fair amount of like variety stream type stuff and if that doesn't work with her content then you know and that would be a totally normal reason to drop doing this with no like sinister undertones of like what the program is but given this, like, we don't actually know what they're asking people to do. And then combined with a few, like, very blue checky Twitter threads about Universes Beyond stuff by some of the MTG ambassadors, like, it starts feeling like, all right, what's what's going on? What are they telling them to do here? Yeah, blue check parentheses derogatory in case, you know, you're not aware of the Twitter 
stuff. Yeah. I guess not everybody is quite as online as we are, but there's like nothing too complicated here. If somebody has MTG ambassador in their bio, you take what they say with a little bit of a grain of salt, because even if they're not being told what to say, like if you're getting thousands of dollars of product each year from a company, you don't want to lose that. And so you'll be careful with what you say relating to that company. Yeah, honestly, if Wizards wants to send me boxes and boxes of you know cards every year i'm not gonna say anything overtly negative about them just i want that i want those cardboard come on yeah i mean i i don't know that i would be able to like stay object you know and it's not even that i would be like intentionally censoring myself i'd just be like you know these are like they're so nice to me (laughs) why why would i be real mad about assassin's creed universes beyond it's not gonna be as I'm not going to be as upset about Assassin's Creed Beyond when I get all four of the commander decks or whatever. I think those are actually packs, but whatever. Yeah, I don't actually know. I All I know is that Final Fantasy is a full set, is the next Lord is, of the Rings uh, yes, set. Yes, the next Lord of the Rings set. But Which... yeah, we'll, we'll get to that stuff later. It's just yeah, the MCG yeah. Ambassador open rant, open shut, you know, it, yeah. it is what it is. Not Not a lot to go off on individual takes. People have takes on the internet, you know? <laughs> and, you know, like, I did a little bit of, like, making fun of it, but I, I don't, like, really begrudge anybody from kind of getting the bag or whatever. I, I don't know. There's some, there's some people with bad takes out there, but there's some people with bad takes out there who are not getting product for free, so <laughs> there's always, like, bad takes available. Right. You just gotta look not even that hard. <laughs> no, it's like most of Twitter. Band announcement? Band announcement. All right. So, what were you expecting from this band announcement? What did you think was was going to happen here? Okay. So, honestly, like in all honesty, I yeah. thought there were going to be no changes to Pioneer or Modern, like at all. As mm-hmm. much as I do want both of those formats to change in some way, I didn't think they would do it. Yeah. And for Legacy, I thought they would unban something that didn't matter, but I just had no idea what that would be. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I felt pretty much the same way it seems like really silly to when all of the like charts of like people's opinions on the ban list cards were going around like the main thing that i was thinking is like preordain could very easily come off this list and it would be totally fine but i did not think that they would do it because it's a funny unban I thought there was a lot of cards, like if they just wanted to pick one card to unban and that's it. Mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of cards that could have been that one card, like pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. Uh, and they picked Priority. Priority is now unbanned in modern. A surprising choice. It's it's like an almost invisible unban in some ways because it is like just a little glue card and not a glue card like a Faithless Looting or something like that. It's a glue card that just like... If you're playing, if you have blue mana in your deck, it makes your deck more consistent and is generally going to make like most blue decks that are not playing cascade spells just like a little bit better. Probably. I think the card is like very playable and is going to have like some small, hard to like totally parse effects on the format, but I don't know. Preordain's really good. Much more powerful than consider if you are just if you're trying to fix your draws. If you have active graveyard synergies, then there's things to think about. But uh Scry 2 draw card is very good. Yes, it's 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 very good. One of my favorite tweets about 
um, Preordain being unbanned is why is Preordain better than Serum Visions? I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> yes, that was really good. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brilliant. I'm still, I'm still waiting for that. But. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think Preordain is a really good unban. I, I honestly don't expect it to impact modern, modern that much in the way people are playing it right now. Uh, because if we look to like legacy, Preordain's play in all sorts of blue decks because mana is king in that format and you're, you just, <laughs> the format's so wide, you'd need specific cards and you need them now. So that's why mm-hmm. you see Delver play a Preordain, Ponder, Brainstorm, all that stuff. Uh, in modern, I don't think you can just jam a bunch of preordains into your deck, uh, even the blue ones. Like I know there's a bunch of conversation right now on the Merktide players being like, "All right, is preordain better than consider?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's like a discussion that people are having instead of going, "Yes, a hundred percent." Honestly, the the type line being sorcery is like really helpful for yeah uh, for delirium dragon's yeah. Chandler in particular yeah. Uh, where I do think Preordain is going to like really punch above its weight class, or punch its weight class, because it's a very good card, mm-hmm. uh, is in any kind of combo deck that can mm-hmm. play blue. If I, I know those don't really exist right now because of Modern Horizons 2 interaction. Like Most of the combo decks you see are going to be Breach or Cascade decks. I think Preordain does do a lot to give blue decks a lot more card selection if they want to assemble two cards together. Mm-hmm. or a selection of cards together i think it's really good at doing that yep yeah for sure and and those are decks that have definitely been struggling in especially with like you know grief being the main elemental that people are playing now it, right. it becomes pretty hard to get your stuff together in time before you're just dead to the the grief into whatever to drop yeah like in, in case you weren't aware of like modern's history uh, the listener, not UCCR. <laughs> Ponder and Preordain were banned after the first Modern Pro Tour because they were the best cards at enabling all the combo decks. Mm-hmm. Like they just made you, your deck so consistent, you're always going to find your combo pieces. And they were banned because they didn't want Modern to only be the combo format like it was at Pro Tour Philadelphia. Uh, nowadays, there's just like not that many combo decks. So it seems pretty safe to unban Ponder and just like let people find a way. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, Ponder is kind of off the table. That card is really, really good with Ventral yeah, Lands. Very strong. Also, I, so I love Ponder. Uh, I just went through a box where I had probably 30 of them for some reason. <laughs> but I, I played so much of that card, um, more than Preordain. And I did not want that card in band because I hate people <laughs> casting Ponder against me. Where it's mm-hmm. just like, turn one ponder, oh boy, what are these three cards going to do for me? Yeah. Think for a while. And then you have to shuffle afterwards if they choose not to like it. It's just too much time wasted. Also, the card's very strong. <laughs> it is very strong. I do remember playing against Preordain in Standard and hating it because it was just like, good you know very good on turn one okay well i'm certainly i'm not getting a free win this game for my opponent missing land drops or whatever and then at any point in like the mid game or later game it's like oh they're casting a preordain this turn well i guess they're gonna have like one of the worst like turns for me possible after this preordain sets it up and immediately draws into it i remember in that standard format cobblade was a very popular deck and especially after new phyrexia when like dismember batter skull that sort of thing came out 
And it was common convention at the time to just board out all your mental missteps because they didn't really do anything in the uh, mirror except for counter spell pierce, which was medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but someone kept him in in a PTQ and I remember watching this match and they just like countered two of opponent's preordains. <laughs> opponent was so angry because you obviously don't leave mental misstep in in the mirror. But he also lost the game because he couldn't resolve like his fixing spell he was relying on. <laughs> Yep. So in conclusion, preordained good. I I do agree that the main thing that it's like aimed at is putting together combinations of cards. But, you know, I think it'll be fine in Merktide in certain numbers because have it, you know, one of the things about that deck has been trying to find a way to put the right number of sorceries in that you get delirium as consistently as possible. Having a couple of your one mana cantrips be sorceries is really helpful there. It's also definitely good if any Death Shadow deck is playable. Like, that's just what you want to be doing. And it makes getting to Merktide, like, a little bit easier in these, like, blue-black decks that that are not as good at it as Dragon's Rage Channeler decks. I also think that there's some way, potentially, to play it with the ring. It's just very helpful at putting together your combo of four lands and the one ring which you know it's solid i can i talk about one part of this announcement that i did not like sure uh so i I think pre-reading is a great unban i love the card i'm looking forward to playing with it all that but uh part of the reasoning they gave i thought was out of this world like crazy (laughs) yes yeah Uh, let's talk about the the let me read it can i read it let's do it so this is it by Michael Majors, someone I really respect and I think knows the format well. Uh, this is what he says. This is also part of a goal to give something back to Blue Red Merktide, which was one of the most popular decks in the modern metagame between the release of Modern Horizons 2 and the Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-Earth, but has since fallen out of favor, in part due to the release of Orcish Bowmasters, period. So, what that paragraph, it's really a sentence, says to me... <laughs> Is that since the Smirktide deck is beloved, it's a blue-red tempo deck, like, is good in every format ever. Yeah, it uh, can't not be tier one. It was good for two years, but, you know, between Lord of the Rings releasing a month and a half ago and now, the deck has fallen out of popularity. So we have to make sure that's better. Like, we gotta unban Pont Preordain to give this just a little something extra, and that's just, come, come on. Yeah. It is funny. It's a funny philosophy. And I don't even know how, like, true it is in application. Because, like, yeah, a couple of copies of Preordain will probably be good in Merktide. Will it improve it substantially? I don't know. It's certainly not going to help it that much against Bowmasters. Like, this is just another card that triggers Bowmasters. So, I don't know. It's I, I don't even mind if that's, like, part of their goal. Like, people love a deck. Uh, mm-hmm. It's non-offensive to the format, so we'll unman something that could make it better. I like don't even mind that thing being a part of their goal. I just wish they wouldn't have to write it into the article and pretend that you know, like a month and a half of a deck being bad is enough to yeah. pull that trigger. Yeah, like are we going to unban Green Sunsea if Amulet Titan has a month being bad? Yeah, what if what if Dom didn't top eight the Pro Tour? We've got to call up Dom and tell him that he he's got a tweet for the next month that he can't win a match with the Amulet, so that he can get Green Sunsea if unbanned. Yeah, but we all know that 
Amulet is not the deck that they're going to make sure is playable, but Murktide yeah. is a deck, you know. But yeah, they're they're never going to do that. Like you know, Hammer saw a huge reduction in play post uh, Lord of the Rings, but they're never going to just be like, what can we do? Yeah, where's my Ancient Den? Where's yeah. Mox Opal? Where's Ancient Den <laughs> and Mox Opal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Specifically Ancient Den, though. You know, the other four stay there because they don't help Hammer out enough. I mean, Ancient Den would be the funniest one to unban and leave the rest on the list. So the, I think the funniest one would be Vault of Whispers, actually, because it's garbage. I guess that's true. Like, it doesn't cast any of the cards you're actually interested in playing with. It doesn't, but it does, like, I don't it's know. It's just another Darksteel Citadel. It like, is. Like, that good enough? You can Probably just not. activate your instant speed cranial plating equip, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Anyway, um, do you have anything you want to say more about preordain before moving on to the crazy legacy shakeup? I mean, I do appreciate like how funny this unban is because it's just like such a modest, like obviously preordain is good, but it's just such a modest unban. It's not like a, and, and it is funny also that the, the lengths people will go to like anytime any card is unbanned. Like I, I turned on some streams today. Almost every single modern league match was a preordained <laughs> deck versus a preordained deck. So you unban like one little cantrip, no matter what card you unban, like people immediately are just going to rush in and be like, I got to, and it's just card. like decks that don't need preordained, like four color Omnath or whatever. It's like four sure. preordained. Where are you finding room for this? Haven't figured that out. We're just playing 64 cards. <laughs> <laughs> How are you casting this on turn one? Aren't you a triome deck? It's wild. So yeah. uh, I will say that I don't think Preordain is like necessary to cast on turn one a lot of the times. No, of course. Slower decks like that. But the better your deck is at using Preordain, the more you want to cast it early, which is yeah. the weird part about that card. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's just like a funny card to unban because it, it's not really, it doesn't like create any archetypes really. I, you know, and I may be... uh you know eating my hat after this or whatever but it doesn't it doesn't create archetypes in the way that like a number of unbans would just like say this deck make a deck playable again preordain doesn't immediately make a deck playable again but you do think about building with it and, and what you can do now preordain is like a dial where you know some decks just need a critical mass of cards where mm -hmm. you can consider playing them I kind of think about this in terms of limited archetypes a lot. Like you need redundancy in some sense. And if you want your, your draft to come together. Right. And constructed is the same way if your format's not reaching back to the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. uh, and preordain does give you extra copies of cards in a inflated way at a rate that we don't really see in modern. Like preordain mm -hmm. is the best in its class. Yes. Yeah. I, I Getting down to that third card is so much better than looking at two cards. We have a lot of cantrips that look at two cards. Like you get 50% deeper with preordain. Like if you if wizards had gone crazy and unbanned both preordain and ponder, I think you could say that they have effectively unbanned an entire archetype into sure. modern. But you wouldn't say that if they unbanned either individually. And that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. That so makes I think sense. it I think it's a dial that you turn to make decks more viable, but it's not necessarily going to just, it, it will have a big impact on the format, I think, uh, in how people build decks, especially if combo decks do happen to rise up, which, you know, we'll see. But I don't think it's going to be like 
preordains are all over the format. They're taking over. This is 2011 again, that sort of thing. I mean, everything that you're doing with preordain is beatable by attacking the other parts of the deck. Yeah, like they make a deck a little more consistent. It's not going to make anything into like a 55% in modern, like in the field at large deck. So, yeah. Uh, Mind's Desire, Unbanned and Legacy. Not. Oh, wait. One second. One second. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Jar- Jar- Jarvis asks, or sorry, Jay asked in the chat if uh, Preordain will make people try Storm in modern. Yes. I've of seen course it. it will make people it's try really Storm. It's really bad. We yeah. have to stop. <laughs> Just pretend Grape Shot is banned. Okay, guys? <laughs> Please? If Ponder and Preordain were unbanned, then, you know, then I you have some sort find of. find a better deck. Like, Underworld Breach is legal. We can do something better with that. I mean. Right, I guess I'm just calling like non Ragavan breach storm at that point, right? If you're like sure. spell okay, yeah. breach instead of creature breach. All right. Anyway, mind's desire. Seeker, you can put preordain in hammer. I think that's actually like a a like very Solid. real possibility. Yeah. You you have to do your mana base considerations, I think, a little, and that might make it untenable because you really want to put pressure on early mm-hmm. and not be preordaining early, but depends. I kind of like the concept of it if you can make it work, though. Right. Like, I think if you can make your deck line up well with it, it's it's got solid application there. But I don't... I think all the threatening hammer draws are, like, when they go turn one thing, turn two, a thing that's threatening to kill you on the following turn. Of course. And Preordain doesn't really do that. It, it sets you up for, like, your turn three, turn four. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you cut any of your, like you know pieces for preordain any of your like very powerful cards or any of your good early creatures or anything you probably you know maybe the forge anew or whatever which is already your like grindy long game thing maybe your Mm -hmm. grindy long game thing is try to make my deck more consistent with stuff like preordains yeah anyways uh mind's desire unbanded legacy we all saw this one coming right so no joke i actually did tweet a little bit ago uh, this might have been like six months or a year ago that the mind's desire should just be unbanned in legacy mm-hmm. and i remember so weird quirk about my twitter if you don't know this is i follow a lot of legacy people in the community uh-huh. and a lot of them follow me back uh just because they're cool people honestly mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and <laughs> when i tweeted this i got like some mixed response but a couple of people were like why 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 yeah <laughs> and my answer to that was i don't know i think it'd be cool i like, think it, i just think anything? they're neat <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean and and but even given that like predicting that this would ever happen it you know they generally don't unban combo cards once once a combo card goes on the list it, it stays there. Stays That's where it's there. died. Yeah. And I mean, mostly when cards go on the list, they stay there. Like unbans are relatively rare, but when they happen, it's generally like fair stuff or, you know, something to give a fair deck a boost. You know, like Which, Stoneforge you know, Mystic getting unbanned in modern. Yeah. Thinking about this context makes it really weird that they unbanned Golgari Grave Troll again. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is really funny. Yeah, that's true. They did they did take World Gorger Dragon off of there, but that was a pretty safe unban, I guess. Yeah. yeah. 
have you been able to watch anyone playing Legacy or talk or sorry playing Mind's Desire or talking about Mind's Desire or any of that? Yeah, I've watched a little bit of a stream. I've like looked at some deck lists. I have seen some screenshots of Mind's Desire not going very well, but yeah. I, I don't know if how representative that is. Obviously, you're gonna tweet the screenshot of you spending everything on your Mind's Desire and then just getting mind break trapped for like 15 copies or whatever. My favorite Mind's Desire pile I've saw so far was a Mind's Desire for four that hit um a ritual or maybe it was brainstorm something irrelevant uh two more minds desires and an immortal <laughs> like, all right you did it <laughs> yes i did also see a a screenshot of just like the minds desire on the stack that is like storm is triggering and it says like 63 copies <laughs> so i i remember i think honor i've tweeted out oh, also a, a Mind's Desire, Storm Trigger on the stack, Cycled Nimble Obstructionist. Yeah, that's <laughs> just like, oh god. This was a person who saw the unban and was like, now is my time. Puts like two Nimble Obstructionists in their deck and joins a Legacy League. <laughs> you can also play Stifle in Legacy. So, you know, that's also an option. Yeah, but this person didn't want to lose their card advantage. They no. wanted to get that card. They wanted to pay three mana. <laughs> I yeah everyone's just like kind of having fun with Mind's Desire and it's not going to be any different from any of the other Storm decks like I know Casey has been tweeting a bunch about playing against Mind's Desire because whenever a card in Legacy is unbanned like this people are just going to run out to play it a bunch of course and from a lot of tweets Casey has been playing in Legacy his opponents just would have won the game straight up in their Storm deck if they would have cast Ad Nauseum instead of Mind's Desire yeah of course like you just win the game in legacy when you resolve mind's desire obviously or when when you resolve ad nauseum uh obviously mind's desire like a single force of will doesn't stop it but force of will does a really good job of stopping you from getting to six mana to cast mind's desire on a lot of these turns it's also like if you're playing mind's desire i think it has to be not in a conventional ritual led like grim tutor storm deck because right those I mean, you have to build those pretty differently. If you mind desire for four or five, and you just hit like some lotus petals or ritual, like you're not really doing anything. You have to hit another mind desire. <laughs> yeah, I have seen multiple tweets about like you should be playing mind desire with lotus field, and I haven't seen a single deck list that somebody has put Ooh. together of that. So I, I've seen it. So it's lotus field, like emerald charm, burst of energy twiddle dreams grip all, all the best hits you probably didn't even know the first two i said <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and it's just like you know untap your lotus field to get mana play your buys desire for a bunch and i do not recall what the win condition is but it was like reasonable it, it was like a mind's desire deck i could see all right this is a reason to play mind's desire instead of ad nauseum that sort of thing sure but again it People are still trying all the crazy off-the-wall stuff and just seeing what sticks right now. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, and I, I think just ultimately, it's another Storm deck in Legacy. And, like, all the stuff that's good against any other Storm deck, like, Archon of Emeria is going to be completely brutal against the deck. Like, whatever hate cards you want to play, if you, you know, Thalia or at anything like collector oof is very good against many versions of this deck like whatever like hate hate creatures counter spells are all going to be pretty strong and 
this like just having a new big storm payoff is probably it could be a better version of storm i am no legacy expert but it's certainly not going to upend the format in any meaningful way right like it it just slots into decks that already exist and are dealable with and you probably have good matchups and bad matchups but i think it's mostly just a fun thing people can do like we saw a creative technique. I don't know. This was last weekend, right? Where creative technique won the challenge. Yeah. Uh, and that's a deck that's also doing wild things. And you're just like casting creative technique and casting another cascade card and then casting another creative technique and casting more cascade cards. And it's just like goes through. You just put much power into play. And if they face you, kill your opponent. And that, that deck is also wild and cool and is doing the same kind of deal as my desire with so much fewer heaps to jump through. <laughs> Yeah, you just have to register all of the depletion lands is is the hoop. Yeah, depletion lands and the ritual lands from evasion. Like we're yeah. we're soul preventing and surprise and scary. Like we don't yeah. we're not holding back here. Deck is cool. I wonder how long people are gonna put up with having that deck in the format. It's uh, uh I don't know if you know this, but Mind Break Trap did rise in price uh a pretty good amount yeah. <laughs> over the past week or so. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You have to so, does Mind Break Track even real? I guess once they have the creative techniques on the stack, you you can Mind Break Track to get rid of their creative techniques. The like it's just if they still have Cascade triggers on the stack, you can, yeah, you can still high roll it. So like if you yeah. so creative technique, if you don't know what it does, it's it kind of like cascades into the first spell you can cast. It's basically what the card is. It's five mana, and you can demonstrate it, which is a weird commander mechanic which gives you an extra copy of it, but also mm -hmm. gives your opponent a copy of it. Uh, but since your rituals are all lands, you're not actually casting three spells from Mind Break Trap right away. So you have to go, you know, crack all your lands, creative technique, copy it if you want. Uh, then you get the first Cascader, which cascades into something. Uh, then they've cast three spells and you can counter them all. But if the, any of those first two Cascaders were... Apex Devastator, I think it's the name Apex it is. something. It has four instances of Cascade in this Yeah, it's, box. it's a Cascade, 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 Cascade card. And Maelstrom Wanderer. Wanderer. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the seven mana double Cascade card. So if you hit those two, you're like kind of Mind Break Trap proof because you just have so many Cascade triggers in the stack. They can't Mind Break Trap all your things because your Cascades resolve individually. Yeah. Which is really funny how that works. But yeah. Mind Break Trap's still like defensible jay raises a good point the hate card against that deck is wasteland yeah <laughs> very solid one yeah not bad and of course you can't play explorer or any of these exploration effects because your cascade deck that needs to hit a five drop right the the, the <laughs> deck construction is very limited you can really only have cascade cards creative techniques and uh the Emerical. one Emerical. yeah <laughs> Creative technique and Emrakul, bam, that's that's unmind break trappable, and you did get an extra turn. Yep. But yeah, I I think that ultimately this unban is fine. I think it's it creates some goofy decks. It lets people cast the card High Tide again in Legacy for a week or two, and that's fine. There's, I have no problem with that. And yeah, other things that we like fan favorite a four candelabra deck. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> you know maybe a little bit disappointing that i didn't expect to see any bands in modern or pioneer 
I I don't think that it's anything that they would justify given their general like banning philosophy over the past you know couple of years nothing is overwhelmingly powerful in either format and we haven't seen a lot of like let's ban this card to shake up a format that just doesn't seem like the most fun right now that that's just not really how they do it that philosophy really annoys me too because Mm -hmm. It makes it me very angry when they preemptively ban something when dealing with problem cards. So like when uh, Emrakul and all that was banned from standard, they also hit Reflector Mage because they just assumed it would be too strong. And we never actually got to see it play out. Mm. And when when they banned, you know, Inverter, Breach, and Ballista, they also just banned Kethys <laughs> because, I don't know, maybe it'll be good. Like they didn't really give a reason. They just preemptively banned something. And I hate it. I like it when bans are, oh, this is actively making the format unfun and no one wants to play against it again. We're yeah. going to get Hogak out of the format or whatever. But I do not like it when, yeah, if we do that, maybe maybe another deck becomes too good. So we're just going to get that out all the way. And they just never come off the ban list or address them again. I hate that so much. Yeah, that's that's tough. And they also, they definitely don't approach banning like like the ban philosophy is very much like if something is too tall we'll chop it down and it's less about like active format management although maybe like their standard philosophy is going to become a little bit more about active format management like you know fable of the mirror breaker got banned obviously fable of the mirror breaker as an individual card was too good but there were also like fable the mirror breaker mostly got rotated yeah Uh, because they didn't want to deal with it for another year we got our two years out of this card yeah (laughs) but you know like pioneer nothing is too good but it may be time to rotate pioneer you know like just having the having it be like you can play thoughtsies or you can play karn and if you're playing neither I don't know. Maybe that's like, just not a good choice. Field or like, come on, let's let's figure out what you're doing here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I one of the discussions around Pioneer. Because Pioneer had like a small discussion um, this week after the unbannings. Was I mean, people agreeing with Watsi? Like Pioneer is not that unbalanced. Like someone would re- like jokingly or non-jokingly, depending on the person, reply with like a screenshot of a challenge where the top eight is like four Rakdos, four Mono Green. Mm-hmm. Which is a cool screenshot, very cute. Uh, but the challenge of the next day had eight different decks that weren't either of them. So like, you're not really saying anything by putting that screenshot out there. It doesn't do that. It doesn't do what you want it to. It's not like showing dominance the way it needs to right. to get banned or anything. So that begs the question: like, why don't people like Pioneer? And my answer to that is like, it's just kind of boring. Like, there's nothing that draws people to want to play the format for an extended amount of time unless it's an RCQ season. And mm-hmm. luckily, you know, it's been an rescue season forever. <laughs> I'm about to play my, well, I mean, not about to, because for some reason the next regionals is at the end of December, but yeah. I am about to play my third regionals and every one that I have played in is Pioneer. So cool. <laughs> I don't, I just don't understand these, these ratios here. I don't even, I actually enjoy Pioneer. I, I've just played too much of it is all. And I totally get just like, you know, Stuff happens, decks change a little bit, but there is just a level of stagnancy to the whole thing. Mono Green has been the best deck or in the top like two decks for pretty much the entire lifetime of this format. It's lived through bands and it's just been 
really good the whole time. The the real problem, I'll speak up from a personal perspective here because I don't want to be like, this is how everyone should view Pioneer. Mm-hmm. But for me, Pioneer feels like an extremely rigid, narrow format where I can't really branch out or do things I'm interested in doing or have fun with. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I pretty much exclusively play Lotus Field because I really enjoy that deck. I win a bunch with it, and it's a it's a good deck. Yeah. Uh, if and it's the only game actions deck in Pioneer. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I can't play even a mediocre game actions deck in Pioneer because there's just like aren't any. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they had decided, for some reason, just you know, for sake of argument that people didn't like playing against Lotus Field and it won too much in some RCs uh, at a higher clip than other decks and and it's just hard to interact with and they banned you know the card Lotus Field. I just like wouldn't play Pioneer anymore at all. Mm-hmm. So like I don't hate Pioneer because I every tournament I play in it, I get to play a deck I really enjoy. But at the same time, I know that my time with it is limited just because as formats evolve, combat decks fall off anyway. Mm-hmm. It, when am I going to have a deck I'm... When is form- Pioneer going to be a format that's inclusive to me wanting to play something else, like, interesting? <laughs> yeah, and ultimately I think that it is due to this stranglehold of, like, you're you're always caught between a rock and a hard place when you're deck building for Pioneer in that you've got to deal with the threat of the Rakdos deck and the threat of the mono green deck. And that's just the way that it's been for so, so long. We'll see how things evolve, but I think we're still just going to end up stuck between Thoughtseize Fatal Push deck over here and Lanoir Elves Nykthos deck over here. And it is a struggle to kind of like get out of that, that vice. Yeah. And that's why my wish for Pioneer wasn't for them to ban Karn or whatever, like get Mono Green out of the format like a lot of people <laughs> wanted. I don't actually mind Mono Green being a part right, of the format. Right. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But but I what I would have advocated for was like unbanning some of the cards that they've banned that just like are, you know, would make it would introduce new aspects of the format and give basically kind of view the ban list sort of a chase cards that people don't get to play. Like Smuggler's Copter is on the ban list, and that seems kind of outmoded nowadays. Uh, Nexus of Fate, uh, though I, I can understand, like, I brought this up in uh, Dominari's Discord, and Ari said that Nexus of Fate is just like second sunrise issues. Mm-hmm. But I still think the Nexus of Fate is not even a good if Wilderness Reclamation is still on the ban list. Right. So, like, I don't know, just get rid of it. Make someone, like, a bad blue red turns deck with and Nexus of Fate instead of, and Chandra instead of Alrin's Epiphany, like maybe someone could have fun with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think there's a lot of cards on the ban list that like could be unbanned if you wanted to shake the format up without just reducing the format via banning cards. Yeah. I mean, Kethis being on the ban list is still just like pretty ridiculous. <laughs> so I, I love Kethis. I really do. Everyone knows that by now. But I will say that Though unjustified when he was banned, like completely unjustified, I think as time has uh, come along, and especially with like Skrelv and Rona, maybe Kethis would actually be too good now. Like it's <laughs> unclear to me. Uh, I'd, I'd welcome a Kethis unban. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's not the easiest unban to make if you look at the list and the other cards on it. Sure. I also, you know. Inverter combo is banned. 
you know, it, it's kind of like a what what happens if we release the you know the snakes to eat the rats and then the gorillas to eat the snakes sort of thing and unfortunately like if if demir combo if inverter combo were like any other sort of deck i'd be like huh i wonder what would happen if you would do this but because it's just another like thought seize fatal push card advantage mid-range deck like there's too many scenarios where it's just like okay well now it's either mono green or demir inverter and you're just like caught in the same place where like it's impossible to have your cards be good against both things and so you're just we're all playing these 50.5 percent decks yeah i kind of wonder if um you could unban heliod without banning or sorry unban walking ballista without Mm. banning heliod i'm like kind of curious if that deck would even hold up anymore yeah me too Uh, i'm i'm not sure i'm not saying it would i'm not saying it wouldn't i'm just like i would kind of like to find out and then also it has the side effect of walking blista being a good card in a lot of other decks <laughs> also a good card to karn for but you know that's a small upgrade for <laughs> i mean whatever yeah there's always going to be an artifact you can karn for of course <laughs> i'm also a com- an advocate of unbanning micah's flatus in modern because I'm yeah tired so of- you actually end the game yeah every that, that's the bizarrest thing to me. I know we're going on so many tangents and we have like 18 sets coming up to talk about. But <laughs> when, when I have ever brought up that I think Lattice should be unbanned because it just ends games that, you know, the card player has 10 mana, <laughs> someone always replies or doesn't reply. They'll just like say that, no, the Lattice is a good ban because the games take too long to finish as the card player after you get it. And I'm like, I've played those games. What are you talking about? Yeah. Your opponent can't do anything. Yeah. It. So, okay. R- right. If, if you don't have a creature in play to attack the Karn, then the game's over. That's that's the way it is. And also, this doesn't adjust the strength of Karn Great Creator in the format at all, because every single game where you have 10 mana and your opponent doesn't have anything to attack the Karn with, and you're just, like, you minusing lose. the Karn twice, like, you do win those games. It just might take a little while. But you do win all of those games. And also, I've won a game in Modern where my opponent has... Karned for Micah's and Flatus, uh, played it. I bolted the Karn and then played my Karn, or Galvanic Blast with the Karn, and then played mm-hmm. my Karn. And then they lost. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, Oko. <laughs> I, I, I remember a PPTQ or something like that where uh, my opponent was also playing a Karn deck and like I could lock my opponent out with Mycosynth Lattice Karn and I just like chose not to and just like beat him down with Oko's it, Oko Elks instead. This was a, a very specific point of time in modern. And then yeah. when you came over and were like, why didn't you just Mycosynth Lattice him? I was like, I don't have any idea if he has Lightning Bolt in his deck, but I really didn't <laughs> want to lose to it. And then he was like, yeah, I don't like he was playing like a Chalice red deck and had no Lightning Bolts in his deck. So I forced him to play like five more turns of a game he could not win, but I wasn't willing to lose to Lightning Bolt on your Karn. Yeah, and people are like, you know, how could Micah Synthlatus not extend games? Like, dude, Micah Synthlatus ends games. Yeah, one way or the other. <laughs> All right, should we talk about some of these sets? Whew. Yeah, where, where do you want to start? Because Gen Con happened and spoiled the next two whole years of magic stuff. Yes. All right, so quick hits. We can talk about like all of the arena stuff at once because I know that's not a thing that really interests you at all in particular. But 
I mean, Arena does matter. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't. Yeah, it's of course. It's just that, like, I haven't played it in, at this point, I think years, plural. Yeah. So, we got an announcement for Pioneer Masters, which was a thing that was announced in 2020 <laughs> originally, and was supposed to, like, come out in 2021, and then just quietly disappeared. You know, COVID not even stuff, Not but... even addressed, just, like no longer on the updates list at all not not on the list just disappeared so my first question is will this actually happen but they have stated a goal to have pioneer tournament pioneer on the platform by the end of 2024 it feels like that's longer away than necessary but if it's happening it's happening i'm happy about that i would like to see that uh very weird that they're giving us the set cons of Tarkir at the end of this year and not the rest of the block. And also they're not doing right. other remastered sets after that. I don't understand. It's like not con. It's not cons remastered. It's just cons of Tarkir, which is yes. very odd. Quick hits on this. It's very odd that they would do this release cadence because tournament pioneer is almost already on arena. Like honestly, if you just put in a quick, anthology of hidden strings the chain veil the delve spells and like what else i think you're good to go yeah small handful of other things that are a little more niche just not wasting time on a quarter's shields is the main thing right like you can just put those like 10 cards i just mentioned in arena they're all i'm trying to think of them they, they just all seem extremely easy to program based on the other cards on arena mm-hmm uh, and you should be good to go, right? Like, there's no need to be cons of Tarkir only, which is only Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, and not Temporal Trespass, which is the one that Phoenix plays, because that's in Fate Reforged. Yeah. Uh, and then nothing after that until Pioneer Masters, which will have the rest of the cards to make Pioneer Tournament, you know, legality be the same. Right. And it's just like, why not release this hypothetical anthology I've just described of 10 cards to have most of Pioneer be there and then just do those sets. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. But it, it does it, it does feel like a little bit of a tease and like they're not really prioritizing just like get Pioneer on the platform because you could get very close very quickly and the anthologies have been such a joke for getting there because they're just have been all of these weird like commander cards in they them. They keep and stuff. doing this weird thing where they're obsessed with filling out cycles. Like, yes, is it charm? Is barely played, but is played every now and then a pioneer. Mm-hmm. So they put it in the anthology, and they also put the other nine charms in the anthology too, which sees zero play. Yeah, I I don't understand I'm, it. I'm getting very animated about this, and I I don't play arena at all. <laughs> yeah so i don't really know why the plan is like this and there are plans that i would prefer to see but the plan of we will have pioneer on the platform by the end of 2024 is a better plan to me than i don't know we'll keep releasing anthologies and we'll get there when we get there like this is at least an end date we have a finish line and hopefully it is true and they are not lying to us I hope so. It would be cool. They also announced some more of a unified ecosystem detail between like paper and arena play, which is a thing that like when arena first came out, I was excited by the possibilities of 
connecting like getting packs to like having codes like uh, like some other yeah, games like pokemon, do, like pokemon does specifically yeah yeah and obviously they're completely opposed to that sort of idea their unified ecosystem thing here seems to be that playing in fnms will get you mastery pass experience which is one of the more meaningless like things that they could give you because the mastery pass is already like a very unsatisfying execution of this progression tree thing like other game every other digital tcg that i've played does it better in a more satisfying way where you're actually excited to get your rewards and every time that i get a thing in the mastery pass it's like basically invisible to me so yeah you know though this is remarkable to me in one aspect is that it feels like the companion app has some reason to exist and be tied to your arena account yes like how many times have i played against sausage assassins in north carolina <laughs> right a lot of times <laughs> <laughs> so finally there will be a reason for that yeah yeah i used to hate it when i knew my opponent's real name <laughs> at least on the dci i'd much rather know their yeah their gamer tag now we can be anonymous <laughs> very important but that's the arena stuff, and we can move on to the you know standard sets and the other stuff. We the next year of standard sets, uh, past the ones that you know we already knew about that are coming out like this year. So stuff that's coming out in I guess 2024 is uh, mm -hmm. Murders at Karlov Manor, Outlaws of Thunder Junction. Murders at Karlov Manor is a murder mystery set in Ravnica, but it's not a multicolor Ravnica set. I'm actually like it's not a guild set. Yeah, actually, like, kind of into whatever this is. I, I you know, don't super. I, I kind of am too. Yeah, because I, I actually really enjoyed War of the Spark. Mm -hmm. uh, other than it just being like a capstone end of story set, because the Ravnica world building is really cool. But I am so tired of the guild at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, if we if we have to go back to Ravnica again, this is a cool way to do it. Like, it's a theme that. I mean, it could go on Innistrad or whatever, any mystery-centered thing. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to. Like, you just make it the Ravnica characters that people know and like and then do whatever you want. It doesn't even have to be Ravnica-themed. It's just on Ravnica. That's cool. Yes. I I also love that somebody pointed out that in the art, like, one of the people at the murder mystery party mansion is Massacre Girl. And it's just yes. like... You have mm, someone whose main this? thing is murdering at your murder mystery. <laughs> this is a truly a conundrum here. I, I also have a an issue with, you know, original Massacre Girl comes down and, you know, wraths the board, kills literally everyone. And her creature type is assassin. And killing everyone is literally the opposite of what an assassin does. It's a berserker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, outlaws of thunder junction we finally get our wild west set it is oh, wait wait before we do outlaws oh, of thunder junction yeah so Mur murders of karloff manor set on ravnica other than infinity mm -hmm. shocklands have only been printed in ravnica sets mm. do you think we'll get shocklands probably yeah i do too yeah they don't they just don't print them in any other set nope that's where they come <laughs> in any we, other plane we haven't gotten them in a little bit so 
they haven't been in it's weird in a while. They they're not going to put all ten in the same set, so they they would have to put five in a different set. That's if true. Start the shock lines in this set. Yeah. Huh. I don't know what they're going to do. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, outlaws of Thunder Junction, the Western set. Yeah. Finally, we get like the long prophesied Wild West set. I love westerns. I I'm a sucker for the aesthetic. And I am excited to see our planeswalkers in like Wild West outlaw gear. And it's like bad guy based. And there's a silhouette of tiny bones in the thing. And I'm down for this. This looks great to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, Cowboy Oko is finally coming. We've all been asking for it. Yeah, they, they had like the kind of like in the screaming cowboy like on the oko on the horizon thing so he's at the top like framed by the sun yeah (laughs) you know on the shadow obviously because he's like eclipsing it he's a bad guy this is not good guys of thunder junction well they're all bad guys it's outlaws of thunder junction it's 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 bad guy based and where's thunder junction you might ask no Mm. idea yeah (laughs) they didn't tell us (laughs) Uh, we've then we've got Bloomborough, which is the red wall set. I'm fine with this. I I I think it's really interesting to see how they will handle like because all of our stories involve like some planeswalkers ending up there. So are we going to have planeswalkers end up on the red wall plane being the wrong size for the plane? One thing I should mention is that as of Wilds of Eldraine. Mm-hmm. There's only going to be one Planeswalker per set. True. So because of the story, the Phyrexian invasion opened all these portals to every plane. So like, and a bunch of Planeswalkers lost their sparks, mm-hmm. uh, which we saw in Aftermath. So now people just like walk between the planes on the Omen without paths. being a capital P Planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which I guess can do it, you know, without a map or something. I, I'm not sure exactly how it works. <laughs> So maybe we just have one planeswalker who is in like a Gulliver type situation on the Redwall plane. Yeah. Also, what's Redwall? This is a book series from a long time ago. And you know, oh, you're not you're not familiar with Redwall. I actually am familiar, but I'm a player uh, listener. Yeah, oh, I see. I see. I see. I I just am assuming that everyone had an identical childhood to mine. I guess, <laughs> <laughs> which is not the best assumption. But yeah. So it, it's. Uh, the Red Wall is a series of books in which all of the characters are small furred creatures, mice and voles and etc. are the protagonists. It also has some like weird like race essentialism to it because the bad guys are always rats <laughs> and weasels and stoats. And there's even one book where like the mice adopt a a stoat and then he grows up and like can't deny his evil nature yeah, and he becomes is a bad evil. guy <laughs> he so has to be. he's a stoat yeah so you know in those books some you know and they're wonderful mostly that you know i always wanted to drink dandelion cordial when i was a kid the feasts <laughs> always sounded amazing there's like a lot of joy in those books so kind of cool to see them do this set one of the things that i think is really funny though is to see the we've got universes beyond sets and then we've got magic sets that are clearly directly inspired by specific ips <laughs> they're just like the non-licensed versions of the the universes beyond set sets 
Yeah, I, this is a weird one, right? Because I don't like if you base a plane like Theros off of Greek mythology, it's like you can't copy. There's no one's copyrighted Greek mythology, right? So you can just do whatever you want with it. But this one is like very clearly, at least in part, inspired heavily by. If Redwall didn't exist, this set would not exist, right? Like, right. there's just no way. It's not like Redwall cornered the market on talking animals by any stretch of the imagination. But, but societies of mice with swords and stuff is like a, a you know, it came yeah. from one place. Uh, and then after that, we've got Duskmorn, which is described as a top-down horror set for, like, people who like horror, a.k.a. not cute. It specifically yeah. said not cute in, in the panel. Yeah, because the Bloomberg is supposed to be the cute set, and then you have to go from cute to ungodly horror. Yes. That's just balance, I guess. Yeah. So, fine, whatever. You know, Innistrad, beloved, it's like pop horror, you know, like, kind of satir almost satirical in its references and stuff, but a, a delight because of that. You know, I don't know what they're going to do with Duskmore. Most of the horror that I've watched recently has not been, like, fantasy based horror it's been like barbarian and stuff sure and um, i don't i don't thing... think we're getting any barbarian based cards <laughs> in a magic set not likely uh i do want to say something about this set this is actually my least favorite of the lineup for standard sets this year mm -hmm. or next year because i hate how they did the plane uh the plane is duskmorn Duskmorn is also the haunted house. The entire plane is a haunted house, which means that everyone who lives on it lives in the same house. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Is that bad or is that amazing? Hold on. I I don't like it. it Everybody feels like get in the your whole existence is in a haunted house. You're just like there, in there's the, like the back rooms is the there's the no entire... grocery shopping. You just like wake up. In one I, of your rooms of your, like, you know, does, millions or however many people live on this planet. Where does food come from? How do you know what a house is if you haven't been outside a house? I I, I don't know. It's so weird. They did literally described the entire point is this house. I, I kind of admire the commitment. Who cooks? Like, do the ghosts cook? Where do, do, you, do people just find food? Where does corn grow? Like, what do you, is there a sun? How I have a lot of questions. I can't ask them all on this podcast, and I know you don't have the answers to them, but I'm really into it. <laughs> We're just like getting all smaller, the bathrooms? smaller and smaller. 2025, we get a plane that's just like one big room. Yes. It's just you, 12 Quinn. Angry Men. 12 <laughs> Angry Men is the 2025 set. <laughs> it's murder at Karlov Manor, except for it's just like, should this person get acquitted? Yeah, it's the magic set that you watch when the teacher has a hangover and the the, yeah. the TV gets ro rolled in. Ideal, ideal classroom. Great world watching. building. Yeah, <laughs> the teacher's not part of the set, by the way. That's that's separate. That's too far. They're no, that's longer. just a framing device. <laughs> yeah. Uh, announcement of Modern Horizons three. You know, this was always going to happen. Whether you want it or not, there was Ooh, going to give be a me, Modern Horizons Give 3. me your quick take, because this is a divisive on social media. Like, oh my god, I hate Modern Horizons, or thank god, Modern Horizons is great. 
I, where do you fall? I accept the criticism that, like, boy, modern really revolves around the cards from the Modern Horizons set right now, and that is uncomfortable and robs some um, a, a decent amount of like the old identity of the format, where like you maintain your deck for many years, you are a you know whatever that deck is a type specialist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And and you lose some of that when it's like, boy, it's really hard not to play Grief Fury or, or whatever elemental is very good right now. Uh, at the same time, you know, a lot of those decks became pretty unplayable over time and the format desperately needed some better way of interacting via cards that you could not put into a standard set. And the format would have, it, it was in the process of collapsing under its own weight before the Modern Horizon sets happened. Yeah, I I agree that a lot of people don't really think about obsolescence as like Modern Horizons is planned. Like you're you're just quickly shuffling the format out. But decks do have an expiration date. Uh that's not always obvious. Like I touched on it in when we were talking about Pioneer and Lotus Field. Like that one deck, that deck will be unplayable mm-hmm. at some point for various factors. Uh, and we see it in modern even before Modern Horizons. Like Storm, the deck, was popular ever since Modern's inception. Saw multiple bands. People kept playing it. Like Caleb Scherer was playing it on the SCG tour up through 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the best deck that was blue red was Phoenix. Like it, it had long. Storm had been long <laughs> past Yeah, yeah. And people still played it. And it's just like, sure, Modern Horizons rotated and you can't play Storm anymore. But you weren't going to be able to do that. And it's the same with Jund. Like, you couldn't really play Jund in 2018, despite what people would tell you. And people did. And they liked it. And you can play Jund again now. It's just full of a bunch of different cards. And because that's still some Tarmogoyfs. You still get to play Tarmogoyf and Thoughtseize in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Respect the Cat actually just won a challenge this weekend with Jund Sagavan. And obviously, yes. yes, you have to spend, well, you know, Modern Horizons comes out and now if you want to play Jund, you have to buy Sagas and Raghavans, but. But you were going to have to buy some card to catch up to whatever was good in the new Jund because the old cards just aren't going to cut it past a certain amount of time. Yeah. Which is kind of my point. It does just kind of, it feels weird to have it so packed into like. Yeah, it is very One jarring. set and then another set. And it's, yeah, like the most heavily played cards in the format. It is a list of Modern Horizons and Modern Horizons 2 cards, but they are supporting other cards that may have really struggled to maintain relevance otherwise. Like, we do see Merfolk decks, and yeah. Svalon existing, and Force of Negation card, or, yeah. and Subtlety existing, like, allow a deck like that to still function to some extent. Because let's be real, the uh, tr- uh, the two two for two lords giving your other things plus one plus one, j- the deck yeah is just not going to be a viable strategy long term. No, you you it's a cheaty format. You got to find some cards that cheat on rate and on like you know have a pitch cost or whatever, and then yes, you you basically have to play elementals or something bonkers, but you know. I think the gameplay has mostly improved um, from Modern's past, too, mm-hmm. which is like it's different, but it is also highly, highly interactive, whereas old Modern didn't often feel that way. Yeah. Like I played entire tournaments 
like admittedly with KCI, extremely non-interactive deck. And my opponents were forced to interact with me or lose the game because you couldn't really compete with KCI on the uninteractive axis. And they couldn't. They just like, didn't have the tools at all. And I yeah. won a bunch of tournaments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that was true. I, You know, this podcast has been around for a while. And there was a long time where talking about modern, every every modern discussion would go back to do something proactive. Like I did not believe in the Jeskai decks ever because it was like, you're just not doing something proactive. Why would you ever do this to yourself when you could in the same tournament play against Tron into storm into what, you know, just like all of these different ways of attacking you and you can't defend against all of those things. That's sim- like, we haven't had a discussion like that in a long time. Cause that's not the conceit of modern anymore. I, I, I do want to say I totally accept the, like, it is jarring to have a new set come out in modern and effectively rotate the format. Like, I, I, I totally get the discomfort that that causes, and also just the immediate, like, this set came out, it is time to spend $300 on new cards in order to play your deck in this format. It hurts. It's, I, and I'm sure there is in an ideal world, a better way of making this happen. I wish that it was happening in a better way. But the the cards need to be printed in order to keep modern from just collapsing the way that a large format collapses. Yeah. I mean, Legacy gets the same deal, but also spread out over time. Like, they also get Modern Horizons cards, mm-hmm. uh, but they also get all the commander releases. Yeah. And every, and every time one of those is super impactful, such as uh, it, taking the initiative you can see like the format essentially rotates mm-hmm. and that happens more than once every two years for legacy. <laughs> yeah. It actually has been happening like very frequently for legacy. Right. So like it, modern horizons is fairly tame by that standard. It's been a lot. Like it's, it's a pretty big gap between modern horizons two and modern horizons three now. Cause I guess like, you know, Lord of the Rings sat in that spot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I just had to buy a bunch of commons from Lord of the Rings to update my modern deck. So, you know, we're, yeah, we're doing okay. I need to buy some land cyclers because I will eventually want to play with them. Mm-hmm. And I know they will at some point be impossible to find. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to go back briefly because I thought of something to make fun of. In the ban section, we were talking about like Murktide getting a boost because, you know, that deck was popular, but it fallen off. Mm hmm. I made the joke about Amulet, but what about Affinity, you know? Like, Affinity has been around for years. Yeah. Like, you know, it went, like, seven, eight years, just diehard fans, uh, and then they all fell off at once. And there's, like, ten cards on the ban list from Affinity, so just, like, right. any of those. Yeah, and what I'm saying is you you need to unban Mox Opal because <laughs> you've got to keep the Affinity players happy. It's a fan favorite. We need to do... Uh... At some point, we need to do a modern ban list tier list episode at some, you know, maybe a bonus oh, episode the, for the just... clickbait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are always the, they're, they're definitely the clickbaitiest type of like content, yes. but they're also super fun to make because you just get to say all your unhinged opinions Yes, and everyone's just like, yeah, I'm here with you. Just come on. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> I think Skullclamp would be fine in modern. 
All right. Well, Orcish Bowmasters will definitely keep it in check. <laughs> and, and not be completely bonkers with it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, sorry. So that, that, I just wanted to throw that out there while I was thinking of it because mm-hmm. I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Well, we will make that episode at some point, though. I, I, <laughs> I really want to do that with you. Have a slow news week. That's that's so that's also a little unfair to because, you know, I'm like really pro unban for a lot of unhinged cards yeah because i'm just like that person <laughs> no we're just gonna get you so i mean and one of the things that i need to do and i i should have been thinking about it doing this is i want to start taking clips from recording the podcast and turning them into little videos for like reels on youtube or for tiktoks or whatever and that one would provide a lot of <laughs> of moments of just of hate clicks debate <laughs> Oh, Splinter Twin. Oh, oh, that could be its own episode. It really could, but it could be. (laughs) (laughs) Someone asked in the chat for how we feel about Splinter Twin for context. Uh, (laughs) I will say that it was hilarious seeing pictures of uh, people on Twitter like Monday morning or Sunday night before the ban list announcement had come out. Just like taking pictures of their Splinter Twin deck. It's like all signed foil in Japanese and updated. So it's got like force of negations and all that stuff in it. And then like obviously the card didn't get unbanned on Monday. Otherwise we would have talked about it. And then seeing the next picture which is like the same deck but Kiki Jikis are now there. <laughs> it's just like alright. I wasn't sure about this the first go around but the second one you got me. Yeah as long as you've got a sense of humor about it then I'm on board. Alright so moving on to the universes beyond things. We've got Fallout. We've got Assassin's Creed. We've got a Final Fantasy set. And I can break these down because I, I actually know the product types for these. Okay. So Fallout is going to be a commander set of decks. So okay. like uh, Warhammer 40k, Fallout is going to be what that is mm-hmm. for 2024. Assassin's Creed, I'm going to come back to. Final Fantasy <laughs> is the Lord of the Rings-esque set where it's got like a full set. It goes straight to modern. Hopefully it'll be cool. I actually really like Final Fantasy. Same. I I haven't played very many of the games, but they're typically colorful and bright and fantasy-esque. So I'm like kind of excited for this one. Yeah, I, I played a lot of the Final Fantasy Legends games when I was a kid, which I believe are like kind of reskinned and rebranded like games from other series in japan <laughs> that got like the final fantasy label put on them the in super the mario States. 2 kind yeah, of deal exactly because C- like some of those didn't even have like chocobos in them which makes them like very much not final fantasy games but the okay i know where your line is drawn <laughs> the, the the chocobo Mo- like moogle aesthetic though is it's pretty good yeah. there's some good stuff there uh and the the assassin's creed set is not a full set it's not a commander deck. I think it's some sort of subset because they said there would be packs for it, but it wouldn't be a full set. Okay. Well, sure. That, that's whatever. What I've got. Is it modern legal? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, then, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, yeah. So, Universe is Beyond. I've been on record saying that, like, I don't care for outside IPs being in magic generally. If I have to draw my line in the sand for outside IPs and magic, I don't care as long as I don't have to care. Mm-hmm. So when it's 
Warhammer 40k or Fallout, these are that goes essentially straight to Commander. Maybe Warhammer is a better example because I actually like the aesthetic of Warhammer, and I knew nothing about it before like this past year. Uh, and the Warhammer 40k decks are probably the best Commander decks they've ever done. There's a lot of relevant cards that you have to play in Legacy to compete, or or just to like have options. Uh, so that play like set makes you forced it, it forces you to care about it. But I kind of liked the <laughs> universes beyond frame aesthetic for Warhammer because it's metallic sheen, yeah, which just got copied to everything else. I guess it very <laughs> much feels like the they designed a Warhammer frame and then they used that for other things, and it does not look right on like Oliphant from Lord of the Rings. Or Samwise Gamgee, because with the flower field and all that, rosy cotton, and yeah. then it's like, all right, here's your metallic white border. Can I disenchant your Samwise Gamgee? No, no, you can't. It's not an artifact. Weird. See, it doesn't say that here. <laughs> I, I think it's weird to have Fallout cards exist, generally. Yeah. I also don't... When The more I dislike the IPs, the more I'm going to, like look disturbably sure. on anything that contains it right so like fortnite was one of them in the secret layers uh and so was the walking dead i don't like either of those things so i actively dislike them fallout i don't care for like i don't hate it but just whatever assassin's creed i actively dislike so i hope it's terrible set or <laughs> end product and and we again as i mentioned earlier like we're getting a lot of this stuff at the like absolute bottom of its popularity like people are over fallout now people are very over like assassin's creed hasn't been a good game in years like everybody is very tired of the assassin's creed retreads like the walking dead the first one was just like does anybody care about the walking dead anymore no they didn't so weird but the worst part about universes beyond is honestly the people talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, like it it is happening. It's going to happen. You can't stop it. I will mostly be ignoring as much of it as I can. And I, I do. I am glad that the one that I am going to have to care about more significantly more than the other ones is final fantasy which probably is going to be a little more in line with magic's aesthetic generally and will feel mostly okay and also like i do have context for final fantasy and i like a lot of the stuff in it so it should be fine i would prefer not to have to deal with any of this stuff but oh well yeah it is what it is just hasbro's world and we're living in it yeah, like it's very clear that a lot of the stuff is just getting pushed from a shareholder value like sell a lot of product to people who wouldn't buy magic cards otherwise perspective like that is pretty undeniable and it does make a lot of the products feel just like i don't know who this is for it's definitely not for me yep ravnica clue edition is do you do you know what this is i it's not clue they said that it's not a reskinned clue i don't know what beyond that it is it's a mystery <sighs> so thing. it's i'm gonna describe it to you in the weirdest terms because that's how they did yeah it is a variant of multiplayer magic like it is a game of magic the gathering mm -hmm. are you solving a mystery With during the game that you that you are supposed to be solving a mystery by as, by playing magic during. 
I guess. I, I What I'm thinking in my head is that it's like conspiracy or something or like a PvE kind of experience where your multiplayer game is you against the mystery. Yeah. And you have like a deck of cards to represent that. I think that could actually be pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If they can pull it off so it actually feels like you're solving a mystery by playing this game of magic, if they can make that happen, I think that would be a feat of game design that I would be really interested in seeing. Yeah. So I, I'm like interested in this and probably never will play it yeah but just from like a conceptual standpoint i want to see how they do it exactly like i i've really enjoyed uh gavin verhey's kind of journey Mm -hmm. as a magic designer and he's the one who does almost all of the multiplayer design so i'm assuming he did worked on this and i'm interested to see what he's come up with he and his team I guess I don't understand like how Clue gets incorporated. In it. Like, are the Clue characters well, involved? Well, you see, Hasbro owns Clue. Uh, yes, and you can just—I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. I yeah. I don't. Under, I don't know how the aesthetics are going to be like added together. I don't know what comes from Clue into it, but you know, this is one that I am interested in seeing like what it actually is because I don't have any context or like I I, I don't have a thing in my head that's like okay, they're probably going to do these things. It's just like completely outside of my experience. Uh, we are going back to Ixalan at some point. A thing that kind of nobody asked for. And there's a Jurassic Park tie-in involved in some way in that. Another thing that nobody really asked for. Do you know the backstory of why this set is on Ixalan? No, I do not. So this this is called like the Caverns of Ixalan, I think. Something like that. Yes, something like uh, that. It's basically, it's basically the underground of Ixalan, essentially. Mm-hmm. This was designed as a different plane entirely. Completely. Oh. It has nothing to do with Ixalan or its mechanics, like treasures, uh, the ascension mechanic, I can't remember what it is, and uh, I guess Enrage, or Explorer and Enrage. Like, none of those are making an appearance. This is basically not an Ixalan set, but then, like, in production, they chose to put it on Ixalan and just make it, like, underground. Is it like a journey to the center of the earth kind of concept? Yeah, and so it's like on Ixalan, but in air quotes. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. They obviously still have dinosaurs since they have got a Jurassic Park tie-in. I mean, once they put it on Ixalan, they're probably like, all right, we got to get some dinosaurs in this thing. Yeah. The only good thing about Ixalan. That that whole description of like, all right, this is an Ixalan set, but we didn't actually initially design it like that Mm -hmm. made me a thousand percent more interested in the set. I I just could not contain my happiness. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Ixalan was so boring and bad the first time around. It didn't work very well. And, and I didn't like it at the time, and it has not improved in hindsight. Yeah. And then we have sets that we don't have the names for yet, but we have the concepts for them. We've got a uh, death race set as people race cars through the omen paths from plane to plane. Um, Sick. Honestly, yeah, I'm for yeah, it. There's three. There's going to be three main planes for this one. Two that we know about and have been to, and then one that we have not been to but have seen on cards. 
previously that was like Kaladesh, right? Kaladesh was in the Magic Origins, but mm -hmm. then we went to it like a few years later in Kaladesh. And then that, like, that was really cool. I liked that because we had like a little bit of a taste of it. And then we got there and got like the full richness of the Kaladesh set. I thought that was like a really cool way of getting to a plane. Yeah. So my money on the third unknown plane would be like Ren, which is, mm -hmm. I think, the plane they've had the most world building on without actually going to. Yeah. Uh, it was just in March of the Machines on sure. the back of several cards. Yeah. We'll see. But also, it's like kind of sick to have a like crash team racing slash Mario Kart set in Magic the Gathering. Yes. <laughs> it's Wack just like why? wacky racers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why we're doing this, but I am here for it. I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. No, no complaints about this one. Then we're going back to Tarkir. This was always going to happen at some point, and it's kind of surprising that it took this long. What's your what's your Tarkir take? Hit me. Are you pro or anti return to Tarkir? I thought you like the first block. I'm fine with it. I actually like was mostly taking a break from magic during like Tarkir. So I played like very little of the limited set. I know that it's well liked and, you know, multicolored sets are often well liked for limited. Uh, I played a little bit and, and did enjoy it. I'm fine with it. I, I think the aesthetics of it are cool. I don't know how they're going to. I, are we doing more time travel? Are we just like dealing with it being the dragon world? Like what's what, what's up with it now? I believe what they said was, well, no time travel. And it's going to be a dragons and cons set. And the art they featured was a dragon fighting a con. So I imagine this is kind of like civil war of some sorts for Turkey. Sure. Uh, in the current present. Also, speaking of like key art. Uh, when they laid out the art for 2024, uh, one thing I noticed was that Ryan Pancoast had three pieces of key art. Everyone else only had like one. And he's <laughs> just like the go-to guy for key art. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> he's the artist who did the uh, like Sahili the Gifted. This is the oh, sure. Yeah. Art. Okay. Nice. Well, well done to him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What's your take on Return to Tarkir? uh honestly same i also took a break during that time sure. i played maybe two drafts of tar of um, cons of tarkir then i played a draft each of cons fate reforged and fate reforged to dragons mm -hmm. uh, and honestly fate reforged was my favorite set in that block <laughs> and i know it's the least popular one <laughs> because it was just like so goofy to have like manifest cards which are really weird and wonky to play with and also like a bunch of common dragons that actually delivered on the this is a dragon set yeah way better than the the dragons of tarkir to set did that, <laughs> so yeah. I like i liked that one the most because it's just like you know this is what tarkir should be and the sets beside it are like post-apocalyptic versions of what could have been mm. like dragons of tarkir was when the dragons won but there were very few dragons in the set <laughs> sure yeah and and fate reforged was just the dragons and the and the proto cons like fighting each other yeah so i'm kind of imagining this of the society kind of thing yeah yeah so i'm imagining return to dark gear is fate reforged but in the new timeline is is how i hope it is and mm -hmm. how i kind of think it is gonna be gotcha yeah that sounds pretty cool to me i'm down for that i did like the the time travel thing that they did where like it you know it was like <laughs> cons and then fate reforged and then it was fate reforged and dragons like you know as the limited sets i thought that was like a neat way of like telling the I story 
I really liked it from a mechanical perspective because the the whole thing they wanted to do was change the draft format. Like that's what they'd done in the past, right? We're changing you had Zendikar, then World Wake drafted by itself, and then Rise of the Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. And you had the same thing on Innistrad, where you're like Innistrad Dark Extension, then forget those. We're only drafting everything restored now. Because people didn't like drafting all three sets all at once. Mm-hmm. That was just like unpopular. So what they wanted to do for Tarkir was have the sets like hinge on the middle set mm-hmm. and be drafted separately. Yeah. And that that was a really good the, the time travel thing was a really good device for doing that. And I really appreciate that. But in terms of like the story, I hated it so yeah, much. Yeah, of course. You can't actually use time travel in your <laughs> plot itself. No. Also, because they had specifically written time travel to not work at all, unless you're specifically Karn. <laughs> that was the only character canonically that could time travel. And change and then, like, things. Ugin, yeah. Yeah, and with disastrous consequences. Yeah. And then Ugin and Karn just pull it off, or Ugin and uh, Sark- Sarkon mm-hmm. just pull it off like no big deal. Just this is the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are also going to space. We just got a straight up space set, which I know Mark Rosewater was delighted about, I'm sure. I don't know anything really else about this except that it is a space set. I, I don't know anything about it either. I saw some art for it. It's in space. I can confirm that. I don't have any strong feelings about it. I kind of... It does feel like this is very difficult to mesh with the aesthetics and like concept of magic world building i mean hey if we're gonna have a plane that's entirely a house we can have a plane that's space yeah (laughs) i guess so (laughs) i only learned about the plane that's entirely a house today though so i you know i've got a little acclimating to do you really gotta think about that one (laughs) tonight (laughs) just tossing and turning where do they get their food I, yeah, that that one is too, a little too high concept for me. I think probably, we'll see. Uh, and we're going back to Larwin. This one has been a long time coming. Holy crap! Yeah, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something like that. Yeah, it'll be almost twenty years <laughs> since Larwin when the the Larwin Returns that comes out. I'm like kind of surprised that we're going back to Larwin because I thought it was a shelved plane. Yeah. Like, it's getting the Kamigawa treatment, is what they called it. Like, right. the Dion Dynasty to, to Lorwyn kind of deal. Neon Lorwyn, if you would. But we don't know what exactly that entails. And they're not going to use the tribal keyword any, or the tribal typing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think that's very clear. So I'll be interested to see what they do. Yeah. I love Lorwyn from a... I You know, I enjoyed playing it. That was, like, when I was playing the the most magic basically is like time spiral into Lorwyn was my like I draft three times a week period of my life so I have very fond memories I also really just like like the look of the set I okay I love the changelings so much Mm -hmm. I think they are the Lorwyn changelings they they brought them back in Ron Horizons 1 and they were travesties because they weren't like jello monsters, marshmallow things yeah and they need to be on Lorwyn too, or the set will fail. <laughs> Shapesharer is just like one of the most delightful cards. I like he's he's helping out. Yeah, 
I, I, I just love it. I agree. The changelings are amazing, but also like the Kithkin, like the Bogarts are by far my favorite goblin implementation in magic. I, I just think that the way it just really inspired design for Lorwyn. People don't, people don't remember this now, but Lorwyn was like at the time really hyped up because it was the return of Merfolk to magic. Yes. Like <laughs> between, between like Odyssey Actually, between Invasion and Lorwyn, there were well, there was one Merfolk, and it was a story character. And then we get to Lorwyn, and they're like, "All right, I guess Merfolk makes sense. You can have a whole tribe of them." <laughs> and there's just you know the Marrow. Those are the Merfolk. The humor in the set too was very good. Sensation Gorger as a card and other things. A Noggin Whack. Noggin Whack. One, yeah, one of my favorite named cards of all time. The disgusting but the like pulling teeth art yes you know there's just a lot of stuff going on in these sets and you know i'm i'm kind of like the shadow more eventide part of it it was not as good as the lower one part right it was all like high concept dark stuff yeah. like dark story tale story tell stuff but it like contracted so sharp contrasted so sharply with the plane people actually liked. Right. Which was, you know, the one that has the swamp with the lily pads on it and looked super cute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there is, there, there's something to it, right? But it wasn't enough to like support two full sets after what we had seen in Lorwyn. It is cool to see the takes on the stuff from Lorwyn. Like, here's the foul version of it. Like, here's Mist Meadow Skulk or whatever. Just like gross kithkin with like sharp teeth like some amount of that i think is like cool to see but yeah like doing two sets of it and then never getting back to actual lorwin after that felt like oh well where's my stuff that i liked the only interesting part of the shadow more eventide split to me was the the flamekin yes because they, they were they were pilgrims in lorwin and like running all around the place and just kind of, you know, living their life, doing their stuff. And then in Shadowmoor, they're just like a race of dying beings searching for an answer to life. And they have this like apocalyptic figure that has all their power. And that just happens every time it shifts from Lauren to Shadowmoor. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. The And it was very de-emphasized in looking at the cards in the set because you're just so confused by everything else going on. Right. Sure. I still got that sense and I didn't really read the stories, but that like I still got that sense from the the elementals in Shadowmoor and Eventide like that, like sense of loss to them, I, th- I think was really powerful and like pretty well yeah. communicated. Yeah, because they went from being flamekin to being cinders. Yes, like they're they're on their way out. It, that was a nice bit of like using language to communicate this this concept. I, I did like that very much. Yeah, that, that was my favorite part of Shadow More Eventide by a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest was super confusing, especially how, you know, uh, in Shadow More, all the allied tribes corresponded to the Shad- the, the Lorwyn people mm-hmm. and had their own weird, like Kitchen Finks was an oof and that had some weird one-off creature types. And then Eventide ratcheted up to like 15 and <laughs> everything was wild and there were hags in green and, uh, and white and black and then there was a donkey race in blue red. And it's just like, where did all these things come right. from? Yeah. Making it enemy colored. And then they had to like make up races for the enemy colors. Right. Th- then there wasn't like that. Att- like what, what were the noggles 
coming from? Like, what are they the, the like, why are they in Lorwyn? Right. <laughs> Where are the giants in any of this? Like, wouldn't the donkey people have been in the, like, cute, funny version of the plane? <laughs> right. Like, it was, it just made no sense. And Eventide was really the, what, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, why does this set exist? Right. We it's didn't to need sell two sets of enemy it. colored filter lands. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and Bloom Dender. <laughs> yeah. How much is that card worth now? I guess they I reprinted it at some point, but it was very yeah. expensive before that. I think Enchanted Evening might be one of the most expensive, or Greater Oromancy and Enchanted Evening. Sure. Probably some of the more expensive Eventide cards at this point. Hmm. Anyways, that's like, there's also a Strixhaven set at some point in there. Ooh, but that's It's not, it's an Arcavios set. Okay, sure. Strixhaven <laughs> is the school. Yeah, Arcavios is the plane. Okay, fair enough uh but yeah that's that's the stuff i think we've talked about all of it yeah with minor tangents you know here and there they're unavoidable especially on an episode like this especially when we're like you know hours in and it's you know can't keep the topic yeah i mean i i think we did good though we kept this to about two hours we get sillier and sillier the closer bedtime gets of course i mean (laughs) I, I am starting to get sleepy. I drank all my water a little while ago. I have to pee a little bit. Like, there's only so much that we can do from here. It's like basically episode wrap-up time, and we are not going to get to previews today. <laughs> That's okay. All of the previews are actually from, like, weeks ago anyways, so. Yeah. Not a big deal. Like, they previewed Ashok in the Pro Tour, and, like, last week, I think you had Dom on without me or something like that. Yes, that's true. So that we made did, it more important. We did abandon you for the Pro Tour show. wrap up episode. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just couldn't make it. I couldn't make Dom's and my schedule overlap. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. But hopefully, yeah, Eldrain previews starting soon. So we will have some easy topics for some episodes coming up. And yeah, this was fun. I am excited to see what's coming up for Magic. A, even though some of it is not really for me like a lot of it <laughs> still most of it is still just magic cards so i can't be too mad about that honestly it's weird even the thing i know like 100 percent, i'm never gonna play the ravnica clue thing yeah i'm still super interested in seeing how, yeah. they, how what they do with it i agree completely i'm i'm like really down to find out what on earth that is magic will be fun just is and if if it's not we'll have to stop yep and that's a choice that we can make which i have not really ever made but yeah we'll i see. mean we're what three episode 304 is this one? <laughs> yeah, so it it's been going on for a little bit i you know i've been playing magic for over 20 years which feels insane to say at this point but i have been playing magic for over 20 years i you know took some decent size breaks in in spots but once the podcast started which means that for the past six plus years i have pretty consistently just been engaged with magic because how could i how could i do the podcast without it and also it just like means that i am paying attention to stuff and then i obviously i'm gonna play some games and and get some testing in and stuff so uh, i don't really see this shutting down for a while and certainly like (laughs) this particular set of previewed products has not made me think like oh boy magic's not long for this world or for my interest 
Yeah, they would have to turn the entire year into universes below before I consider. You know, maybe I'm just I'm just not for it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I don't think they're really ever going to do that. No, we're still gonna. We we at least have to check back in on Ravnica every couple of sets. So <laughs> right, like when is Hasbro gonna make their Ravnica board game? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Really, really appreciate your time. I think that's it for us. Have a great week. Yeah. Till next week. Hope you enjoyed the, you know, a little longer one. Yeah. The MTG two-hour cast. Yeah, we've really got to step up our game if we're going to compete with Dominari's two-hour Pro Tour episode. I mean, my episode with Dom was pretty long. Last couple of episodes have taken me a, a significant amount of editing time, so... <laughs> You know, I appreciate you for it, and I'm sure everyone listening does too. It, it's it's better when everything's cut nice and clean, so I, I'm yeah. happy to do it. You'll never know how badly we stumbled recording this episode unless you listen to it live. Yes, which you can do Tuesday evenings, twitch.tv slash CCR underscore grindcast. I should probably get yeah. the underscore out of there. That's not the most... Uh, can you get the underscore out of there? Are you allowed to change your Twitch name? You can t- change your Twitch handle, yeah. Like once a month okay. or something like that. Do it. <sighs> we'll see. We'll see. Then you, then we'll have to re-record all the endings to all of the couple episodes. <laughs> Every single one, <laughs> just in case somebody goes back. <laughs> I mean, people don't listen all at the same time. You know, you gotta mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> all right. Thanks, y'all. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>